How much should you charge? Are you charging enough? Will anyone ever pay that much? Like, how do you even price your product or your service when you're launching your business? One of the perennial questions we get at the Rebel Business School is, how much should I charge? The extraordinary belongs to those that create it. Rebelling against business plans and debt, rebelling against what society expects of us to build cool businesses, make money, have fun and do good. Let's create something extraordinary together. Welcome to the Rebel Entrepreneur. Welcome to the Rebel Entrepreneur podcast and the episode all about pricing. This episode is in two parts. The first, I'm going to give you some tips, tools, ideas, and techniques to get you going. And the second part is a coaching part where I work with Tanya on pricing her product. And we learn best through live examples. So pricing is one of the most difficult things to deal with. And when I first launched my business, I was thinking, how much do I charge? What do I do? And I actually rung my friends and said, uh, tell me what I should charge. And one of them, Billy, had a great idea. He said, why don't you ring some competitors and ask them what they charge? So I rung up a bunch of competitors. I pretended to be someone buying their services, a little bit naughty. And I asked them what they would charge. And I got an entire range of prices. And I was selling a one-day training course, and actually it left me baffled, and I just made it up. I thought, I'm just going to be roughly in the middle of what people charge, and I'll go with that. But it's not a great way to do it. It's not a great way to do it at all. So let me go through five different things with you. The first is, what does it actually cost you to do this? Now, I don't think you should use that the basis of pricing, but you must must, must know it. I'm always shocked by the number of entrepreneurs who don't properly understand what it actually costs them to deliver a service or a price. They've not worked out the transport, the petrol or the gas, the electricity, the cost of materials, all those different things that go into actually delivering the product or service. They just haven't worked it out. And then they come up with a price and end up losing money. So what does it actually cost you to deliver your product or service? How much time do you really put into it? How much time does it take you to sell it, to market it? The price of the flyers are price of delivering it and finding the customers. Like you shouldn't be losing money on this whole thing. What are the true costs, the time, the materials? This is something my dad actually, one of the lessons I learned from him He never remembered to include transportation or electricity or warehousing when he was pricing what he was selling. And he was selling sportswear, so Adidas, Nike, Puma. He would buy the T-shirts for 50 pence and he would sell them for a pound. And he thought he was making 50 pence per item, but he never took into account the real costs of getting it there, loading the vehicles and all of those other things. And he ended up losing money. So my first point is work out what the base cost of doing business is. How much does it cost you to get the customer? How much does it cost you to deliver the goods? How much does it cost you to support the customer in time, energy, money, all those different items to really understand the true costs? And in some businesses, you can then go, actually, I want to make X markup above this. This will be the price. And you can look at that side. But actually, after you've worked out your base cost, what I would suggest is looking at what will the market pay for it? 
And this is where you check some competitor prices. So if you're selling a product, log on to Amazon, see what they're going for, go to the shops, look what they're going for, go to the local market, look what they're going for, have a look and what actually is out there in market. If you're selling business to business, you might actually have to ring people. You might actually have to make some phone calls to find out these prices. But check the market to see what is actually out there. Then we can start to understand where do you want to play within the market? Do you want to undercut people? Do you want to go in the middle? Do you want to go at the top end of the market? And one thing I really did want to give you today is lower pricing does not always equal higher sales. I think this is such a critical point. Most of you entrepreneurs go, I'm just going to go right at the bottom of the pricing because I just need to get business in. And the challenge is when you get low pricing, people don't always trust it is going to be good quality. When you go to the supermarket and you buy a bottle of wine, you're looking, I don't actually drink, but this is like, maybe for me, it's ice cream. You're looking at the shelves full of wine And you look at the bottle, you maybe have a look at the label and you think to yourself, do I want the five pound wine, the seven pound wine or the nine pound wine? And you go, actually, tonight I'm going to spoil myself. I'm going to have the seven pound wine or whatever it is. And you're buying on price because we equate quality with price. And in Western culture, people quite often look at, well, it costs more. It must be better. And because of that, people tend to buy more of the expensive stuff, which sounds crazy because sometimes in those same bottles, you've got the same wine, just priced differently and labeled differently. So as an entrepreneur, what we need to do is realize that just reducing our prices is not going to get us more sales. Sometimes we'll get more sales by increasing our prices. So what's the market paying? What's out there? And I think a sub point to this is you can pay anything for a particular item in the marketplace. Like it is crazy the variance in price you will find. For example, a sweatshirt, a sweatshirt, a jumper, a hoodie, something like that. You can go into Primark and buy one for £5, £10. You can spend £20. I could spend 40 or 50 on a Marvel branded hoodie. You could spend 80 bucks, £80 on these things. Then I was going into one of the fancy, fancy department stores the other day, and I was shocked to see a hoodie, a sweatshirt for £450. It's like 600 bucks for a hoodie. It's crazy. So the variance you can pay on those things, what are you really paying for? I mean, the hoodie's a hoodie, like it keeps you warm. Some of them have nicer material. You're paying for branding, you're paying for perception, you're paying for all of these other things. So I think when you look at the market, don't assume you have to be the cheapest, don't assume you have to be the most expensive, but actually look within the market to see what is truly out there. Because there are people paying crazy amounts more than you've ever thought of charging for the same product or service you are selling right now. I really want you to hear that. People are paying crazy amounts more than you have ever thought of charging for the same product or service that you are selling. So when we look into the market, we need to see what is out there, what we can justify ourselves and what we want to charge. So we've got number one, base cost. We've got number two, what will the market pay? And a kind of a sub point with that is 
Like the market will pay anything. It's crazy. And then number three that I wanted to give you is what is the value you are giving to the people you're selling to? So we've got base cost, what will the market pay, and what's the value you're delivering? So my example of this is when I was running time management courses for big organizations. I wanted to prove that my courses were of value because they were paying me for a day of my time to run a time management course. But what actually is that course returning? So I ran a bunch of courses for them. I went back six months, nine months later, did a survey to the people who'd been on my course, asked them if it saved time, what happened, how many minutes a day did they save, how much more productive did they feel. And I think the average person saved 45 minutes to an hour a day that they could spend on being more productive just by using the techniques I taught them. Then I worked out the average salary for someone in the company, the amount of time saved, times the average salary equals how much extra profitability, how much extra production the company creates. So I was able to put an actual pound value on my training course in terms of increased productivity. And for every training course I ran, I increased productivity by £20,000 in the organization. And all of a sudden, my course, which cost £1,000 for a day, was very cheap for the production it created for the company. So what I'd ask you, and this won't be possible for all of your businesses, if you're selling cat toys, the value, it's difficult to put a pound amount on the happiness of the cat and the happiness of the owner. But for some of you selling products or services to businesses, even to individuals, you can say, well, look, here's what it will actually save you as a dollar or a pound amount. Here's what actually the value is to you beyond what you will actually pay. And it's far best to to do value-based pricing on a normal thing than it is to do cost-based pricing because you need to prove this value to customers so they know that it's valuable what you're selling to them. Moving on to number four, confidence. Confidence is one of those critical things that makes such a difference in pricing. And when you first start in your business, you don't always have that much confidence. You're feeling a bit nervous. Can I actually do this? Is it actually going to go well? What do we do? Like, let me sell a little bit cheaper on the price and they won't expect as much. (laughs) And it's quite interesting when you're charging The people you actually charge more to tend to know the value of what they're doing and have lower expectations and are delighted with what you do. It's fascinating. When I charge less, people had higher expectations and it never went as well. And I had to really work on my confidence and get used to saying my course costs £1,500. And I have to stare in the mirror. I'd have to say it out loud. I'd have to get used to saying it. Otherwise, when I say it to a customer, I feel nervous. I feel strange. And that comes across in my delivery of the price. This was the fifth thing I wanted to give you is the nerves that you have asking for the money quite often come out through your tone and body language when you're asking for the money from the customer you want to have. And the way it normally happens is how you end your sentences. Now, there are three tones that you can end a sentence in. There is, to start with, the question tone, where everything you say sounds like a question, even if it's a statement. (laughs) It's really annoying. It's fascinating. If you raise your tone at the end of a sentence, it sounds like a question. 
either that or you're Australian, one of the two. If you're listening to this and you're Australian, I love you. But please use the second tone, which is statement. The statement tone is where your tone stays strong at the end of a sentence. It's a fact. It just is. And this is the tone you need to use for pricing. Because when people are nervous, they say, the price is £15. And I immediately think, is it? That sounds like a question I should negotiate. They're not sure. Or you start to think they're nervous about whether they can actually deliver this for the price. Confidence is critical when you're delivering this stuff. So if we can build the confidence and we can say the price is £15, it's just a fact. Your tone goes straight across at the end. You sound confident. It makes such a difference. So we need to breed the question intonation out of our tone so that we can deliver with confidence and assurity when we're asking for the money. So the price is only £20. Then you stop, you pause, you wait for them to respond because when you've said the price, the person that goes next is the person that loses. You need to deliver it and stay silent and then wait for what comes back. It is so important. So if you're delivering that price face-to-face, say the price, stare them in the eyes and wait for the answer. The price is £20. Insert dramatic pause, wait for answer. Even if your mind is going a thousand miles, like close your mouth, you can think. (laughs) Just don't say anything until they say something back. So there are five top tips to get you going on pricing before we go into the coaching. So join me whilst I work through Tanya's pricing strategy with her. Tanya, welcome to the Rebel Entrepreneur Show. It's so good to have you here. Just so the audience knows, who are you and what's your business? Amazing. It's amazing to be here with you. It's really exciting. I am Tanya Valentin. My company is called Chat Naturally. And I am a neuro-language accent reduction coach. What? A neuro-language accent (laughs) reduction coach. Um, So does that mean you can help me sound less British on my podcast? (laughs) So more British is what I'm going for. Oh, okay. Which you don't need, so you wouldn't be my client, Alan. (laughs) (laughs) You mean I don't need to sound any more British? Yeah. No, I am an accent reduction coach, which means that the clients that I work with are non-native English speakers. So they speak English pretty fluently, but their first language isn't English. They are often in top jobs, but they might need to have more impact with their clients. They might not be getting that connection with their clients that they'd like to. And they may feel that it's down to their accent, which it can often be. And so I work with people like that who are aiming for a more neutral sounding British accent to help them have that better connection. That's incredible. I love that. What an interesting business. What an interesting job. That's fantastic. So we've actually, we've ended up recording this specifically about pricing because you dropped me some emails about pricing and it was almost as if we were having a live chat going through the emotions (laughs) of pricing at the same time. Yes. (laughs) So let's set this up. What happened? Why did you email me? What was going on at that point? Yeah. So I had my prices for my corporate clients Mm -hmm. 
And I was approached by an individual who really needed some help with her accent. She's looking for work. And she said, please, can you help me to sound a bit more British? I really want to sound more British. Something I've wanted to do for ages. I've been in this country for 15 years. <laughs> anyway, and, and I still can't read. She's actually Mexican, interestingly. And she, oh, cool. uh, yeah. <laughs> she said, please, can you help? So the first thing I thought was, gosh, what on earth can I charge her? Because I hadn't come up against this problem before. And my background is in English teaching. So I used to be an English as a foreign language teacher. I did that for 20 plus years. I ran an, an English language school, you know, a lot of experience there. But the prices that you charge as an English language teacher are not the prices that you charge as a certified coach and doing accent coaching. Plus, I've got the neurolanguage side of things, which is a whole different thing. So I was really, really struggling to think, well, what on earth can I charge her that she won't run away from? She was just <laughs> going to, you know, she's going to go crazy. <laughs> if I said, well, this is what I charge my corporate clients, you know, that I'll never hear from her again. So how do I find that midpoint between something reasonable for her, but at the same time, something that is going to make it worthwhile for me as well, you know? I had absolutely no idea, which is when I thought, I know who I'll ask. <laughs> <laughs> Alan! Help! Well, I think it, it's interesting. So let's just start right there, because there's some embedded assumptions that we all make. And it's probably true, but it's just an embedded assumption that if it's an individual coming to us, they can't afford to pay. And that's the kind of embedded assumption that corporations yes. have money, individuals don't. And they're yep. not willing to spend money on their own stuff, which is not a true assumption because there are plenty of people out there who have money, want to spend it to improve their world. And I've made this assumption as well. Don't get me wrong. I think we all do when we're starting a business. We hear these things. And I think from your initial setup, there's also the piece that she's looking for a job. So we automatically assume that because she's looking for a job, she doesn't have any money. Yeah. And that may or may not be true. You just don't know. You don't know. There's plenty of people out there. I don't have a job. I regularly <laughs> like to introduce myself as unemployed and homeless, um, but that doesn't mean I don't have any money. And it's quite interesting, the assumptions we make about these things. So I just, I thought I'd highlight that just to start. Yeah, no, you're quite right. I think it's natural to make those assumptions, but they're not always true. It's the same yeah. you look the other side and you look at someone who's got a fancy house and a BMW. That doesn't mean they have money on the other side. They're quite often the people with the most debt, not the <laughs> most money. So it's really interesting. Yeah. And to be fair, she didn't come to me saying, I'm looking for a job at the beginning. It came out later when we were doing our diagnostic. Mm. So I think it was just my preconception, to be honest, you know, listening to what you're saying now. Definitely. And that's natural. And I think also I'm so used to sort of pinching the pennies and, and being careful on what I spend on myself. I tend to spend more on my son than I would on myself. And so, you know, <laughs> this is sort of the typical mother, isn't it? You know, you spend more on your family. You don't invest in yourself necessarily. And sometimes it's really worth doing. And we probably don't put enough value on these things. Yes, I would agree completely. And I don't think it's just mums. I think it's everyone because Katie yes. won't spend anything. My wife, lovely wife, Katie, won't spend anything on herself 
but she'll spend lots on other people. Yeah. And I think that's a general thing that happens out there. <laughs> and I have to fight and go, actually, no, like spend the money. Or I found the thing that works <laughs> is I give her an outrageously large budget to try and encourage her to spend anything. Can you speak to my husband, please? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, this technique would not work if you're trying to encourage a spender to spend less. This <laughs> technique only works when you're trying to encourage a saver to spend more. Um, so you have to know your audience. <laughs> Fine. So let's talk about what happened here with the pricing. So you're considering it, you've got your corporate pricing. Are you able to share us, like the company, what would you charge a company for this service? Do you have a set? Do you have a thing? Like, how does that work? So I don't have a set price because the way that I work is a little bit unconventional, but it's based on how many sessions they want, how long they want the sessions to be. So it's not dictatorial at all. It's all part of the coaching mentality, if you will. So I'll look at, you know, what they want, how much they want, how often they want, and then build a program around that. Okay. But a sort of average price that I've been charging to some of my clients is 120 per hour, where they've got a sort of longer program with me. So just as a rough idea. So I gave you that in the email as a sort of this is an average of what I've been charging. And you said, we'll just charge her that. And I said, what? (laughs) (laughs) What? (laughs) What? I can't possibly do that. And, you know, I, I was thinking about it. Why did I react that way? And ever since she said to me, Tanya, let's do this podcast, I've been thinking about why did I think that's such a, a bad price to charge her? And I think that in my head, I'm still 20 and I'm still charging my English as a foreign language rates. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I haven't grown up yet. And this may be the problem, Alan. <laughs> I've got all this extra experience now since then, and I've learned so much, but I'm not adapting my prices to show that. On that particular bit, I think the pieces, we all look at the hour and we go, actually, I'm charging per hour. So this price is huge per hour. But what everyone forgets is you're not paying for the hour. You're paying for the 20 years experience of learning how to do this, becoming the best at being able to do this, to be able to pack more into that hour than someone who's just starting. So my thing was I would deliver presentation skills courses to corporates. And I'd spent seven years going to every Toastmasters meeting, reading every book on presenting, studying. I'd traveled to the States to do all the presentation skills courses. I was good at this stuff. I'd done stand-up comedy. I'd learned how to write jokes. I was good. And I was charging between a thousand and fifteen hundred pounds per day for my courses. And people go, well, that's a lot. Well, actually, when you think about if you've got six people on the course, that doesn't make it so much. And then in one day, I could change the way they looked at presentations forever. They would never look at it in the same way. And if they just got one or two sales increased from doing better presentations, like that pays for itself easily. And the clients that you're working with, the amount you're charging, if it helps them to get a job, how much is that worth? 
if it helps them to increase their sales or their ability in the boardroom to connect and impact, how much is that worth? And if you look at those two sides, A, how much experience are you packing into that time? And B, what's the value of that work? That completely changes your perspective from I'm an English teacher who's 20 charging £12 an hour <laughs> or whatever it is. Exactly. And also, I think what you can so easily forget is that it's not just the hour. I mean, I often spend so much time thinking about one client and thinking of all these other things that could help them outside of that hour or all the work that I'll do on feedback. So they'll send me an audio recording and I'll spend quite a lot of time and that's all packaged into the price. So it's more than that, isn't it? It's so much more than that. And entrepreneurs, when it's just us, we have a dreadful, dreadful habit of undervaluing what we do. And that's normal. That's normal. And nearly everyone listening to this, I'm sure, will have had the same experience of what should I charge? I shouldn't charge too much. What if they say no? And I don't know if I've ever told you the first time I pitched to Microsoft, I was sat at lunch with this guy. <laughs> we had lunch together. He was incredible. He was really nice. We had a lovely chat. And he said, oh, I'm head of learning and development from Microsoft Europe, Asia, and Africa. And I had this moment of like, ah, you're the, you. And I tried to like hold it all in state. It's like, yes, lovely to meet you. Uh, I'm confident. And at the end of that thing, he said, so how much is the price, Alan? And I don't know if you've had it where someone asks you directly what the price is. And no matter how prepared you are in your head, my stomach started to do circles. Yep. I started to perspire. I went red. And I, I tried as hard as I could to take a deep breath. And I said, 950 pounds. And I tried not to do it with the question intonation. <laughs> yeah. I tried to do it with the confident, like, it's 950 pounds. I'm sure... At that point, I was kind of squeaky, 950 pounds. But he looked at me and I could see I'd said something wrong. You know, when you know, like you look at their face and you go, something's going on here. I've said something wrong. And inside, every fiber in my body wanted to say 850, 750, 650. I don't care. I'll do it for free. I just want to work for you, please. That's what I wanted to say inside. But on the outside, I tried to stay stoic. <laughs> I tried to keep that confidence and say nothing. And I managed to say nothing. And he actually looked at me and said, well, okay, how's 1,050? And I've never had it where someone has increased the price on me. But I just kind of, I, I managed to have enough sense to just shut the hell up and say, <laughs> okay, and shake his hand. <laughs> I managed to do that. But it turned out, I didn't find this out until sort of two, three years later, but at other places, he was paying up to 10 grand a course. Wow. And the thought was like 950, no one's going to take it seriously. And people relate price to quality so regularly. Mm. People relate price to quality. And there's this thing of you get what you pay for. And it's really interesting that experience of having to do that pricing to start with. Once you've charged 15, 20, 30 people, you start to feel a bit more confident. It starts to flow. But to start with that first time, like I'm actually nervous in my stomach now. I can feel that. I can feel that memory. 
So this lady, I said, why don't you just charge her that? And you, you went, what? <laughs> what happened next? <laughs> so I was worrying about it. And you said, well, what would you feel comfortable charging? So I said, well, I could tell her how much I might normally charge if it was a program and mm -hmm. offer her a discount. And you said, yeah, try that. Just do it. <laughs> you know? So I was like, okay, fine. I've got the message. <laughs> so I thought, well, you know, if she doesn't want to pay it, then she's not my customer anyway, which I've learned through you and pop up slash rebel. So, um, <laughs> so I, re I went back to her and I said, you know, I sent her the prices. Well, I actually told her the prices because you said, don't send them to her afterwards. He said, at the end of your diagnostic, talk to her about the prices and see how she reacts, yes. which I wasn't going to do. I was going to shy away from that, actually. <sighs> you know, it's, it's a difficult one because of the way the coaching is. And it's all very, you know, keeping the limbic system very calm and happy. And I didn't want to scare her off. You know, I was worried about that. But... I thought, well, I'm just going to be really honest and be really open about it and try and keep her calm that way anyway. And if it's too much for her, then that's fine, you know, and just try and help with whatever I can. And anyway, she'll have whatever she's got out of the session with me that was free, that I always offer a free, like a mini diagnostic. Mm. So I said, look, you know, we've got this, you know, more or less what your first accent goals are. This is what we would do. This is how much I would charge for a program of 10 sessions with me. And she didn't bat an eyelid. She didn't blink. You should have charged more. <laughs> That's what I thought. I thought, damn, you know, I said, you know, I can do that because of COVID and everything. I just really was thinking, what can I say? Because of COVID, I'm just trying to help people out a little bit. At the moment, I'm doing a discount. So I can offer you £75 or I can't remember what I said, £75 or £80 an hour if you book this, you know, this 10 sessions. This set of 10. And she, oh, she said, yes, that sounds great. I'm really, really excited about it. And I thought, damn, <laughs> why didn't I say 85 or 90? But no, I mean, it was great. It was great. I mean... It was a real eye-opener for me. Obviously, you then have to get them to pay. But the fact yes. that she seemed really calm about it and she didn't then say, oh, let me think about it and I'll come back to you, mm -hmm. which is always a sort of no. Clandestine That's a no, no in disguise, you know? yeah. People yeah. don't like to say no, yeah. <laughs> That's what I would say, you know. And it didn't feel like that at all. So I didn't hear from her for a few days and I thought, oh, maybe it was a no. And she was just really, really good at it. And so I wrote her an email a little while later and I just said, how are you getting on with the job hunting? Please don't feel obliged. You know, you don't need to book this with me if it's not the right time for you. But I just wanted to touch base. You know, did you still want to go ahead? Because she had said to me, I'd like to start next week. Mm -hmm. and she said no I really do want to book with you but I don't know I've got all these interviews lined up and I don't know when I'm going to be working so I literally just can't commit but I do want to do it with you and I offered her a way out and she didn't take it so I'm pretty convinced that at some point she will pay that's those 75 pounds an hour <laughs> yeah so it was a real 
real eye-opener and I'm very, very grateful for the advice. So just on next actions, I would suggest going back to her and saying, completely understand you don't know when you're going to be doing interviews. Let's book the first session in and we can be flexible. If an interview comes up, we can check it. You just Mm. need to get, the longer it goes without booking that first session, the less likely it is to happen. So I would rather book it and it change than not book it at all. Yeah. So I think go back to her and say, completely understand the situation. Let's start because we can start on this. We can get going. And if we need to change it, we can. So I would go back to her like, now let's pause the recording, (laughs) send the email back. (laughs) Let's do this now. Yeah, that's really good advice. And a couple of thoughts for you as well, based on what you're saying. Number one is something I think I've repeated ad finitum at Pop-Up Business School. (laughs) Everything you want in life is outside your comfort zone. So if it's uncomfortable asking for the money, that's what you've got to do to get the money. And the money is just outside your comfort zone. That seems to be what it is for me and lots of people I speak to. Like What you actually want is just over there, just far enough away to make you uncomfortable. So I'm very, very proud and happy that you did it. Number two is the ability to sit in awkward and uncomfortable moments. I genuinely believe your success in life is related to how many awkward and uncomfortable moments you can sit in, not blink, and soak it up. Like and this one? <laughs> like this one, where I'm kind of staring at you and we're doing a podcast. My and first yeah, podcast. <laughs> your first podcast. You're doing brilliantly, by the way. You're doing brilliantly. But that moment when you ask for the money and you have to stay quiet after you've said the price. Mm. and wait for the other person to think because what most entrepreneurs do and what my reaction always was was I would say the price and then I'd get uncomfortable and I'd be the one to speak first it's like when you say a joke most people pull out of the joke too early they tell the joke and before the other person has even reacted they're going oh only joking it's actually this like don't do that (laughs) if you're going to tell the joke go full in sit in the awkwardness until the other person gets it yeah I've got an English joke for you. Have you? Go for it. Mm. What's a bear without ears? <laughs> Buh. A bee. <laughs> yeah, you got it. <laughs> You're the first person to get it. <laughs> I only got it because my favourite English joke is, what do you call a fish with no eyes? <laughs> and the answer is, fish. Uh, that's my favourite joke. What do you call a pig with three eyes? It's a pig. <laughs> These are dreadful. I love it. Yep. So sitting in those uncomfortable (laughs) moments is worth practicing and doing it live, like that's when you've got to do it. And this is for all of you listening and for me, the coward's way out is to have the call and then email the pricing afterwards. That's the kind of coward's way out of not really asking for the money. And it's also the way that's not really going to get you the results because they can just ignore that email. They can just kind of put it down. They can leave it. It gets dropped off the list. There's so many ways it goes wrong. Whereas if you're looking the person in the eyes and kind of going, the price is this and staying silent, there's nowhere to go. You kind of say yes, no, or they kind of spin some, I'll get back to you or this or that, or this needs to happen first. But at least you know. At least you know. And the only reason I'm saying this, Tanya, and everyone listening is because I've taken the coward's way out many times, many times. 
but saying that price and being strong in the moment is something like valuing yourself, saying the price, being confident in the moment is actually really tough for most people. So the fact you did that, round of applause, congratulations, it's incredible. And I will say that after I'd said it, I felt so much more confident with that price and actually started to feel cheap. (laughs) You know, I'm telling you, (laughs) I was thinking, you know, if I think about all the stuff I do, Mm -hmm. (laughs) $75,000, you know, and the week before I was thinking, I can't possibly charge £75 an hour. And it just goes to show, doesn't it, what you were saying it's all about your perception and and the more you get used to saying a quantity the happier you feel with it and the more it sits well with you yes one recommendation on what you've just said is stop calling it 75 pounds an hour because if there is pre-work post-work listening to audios it's not 75 pounds an hour it's x mm. for the package which includes this because as soon as we relate our our value to time it gets judged yeah. It's a lot harder to judge, like, because it's not an hour, it's a whole bunch of different stuff. So it's £75 a session if you book 10. And what each session includes is the pre work, the session, the post work. I listen to the audio, I give you yeah. feedback about changing the pronunciation. It's all of these different elements. So that's what's included in the package. Because, like, people will judge an hourly price. Yeah. And they'll go, wow, I could get this for this. And, blah, 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 blah. and like, who cares? Like, it's the package. So I would avoid saying per hour. Yeah, no, you're quite right. And I have been really trying to avoid that. But people ask me all the time, so what's your hourly rate? And I get questions on LinkedIn. Can you send me your hourly rate? And I have to explain quite in-depth explanation of why I don't have an hourly rate and how it depends on what program they book. <laughs> you can definitely say I've got a package rate. Yeah. And it includes ABC. And having that pre-prepared answer, because you know that question is going to repeatedly come up on LinkedIn. People are going to say, so what do you do? Or how much does it cost? Because mm. they just want to get to the brass tacks sometimes. And if you have that pre-written reply that says, there's not an hourly rate because it's actually we do this, this, and this. So the package price for 10 sessions, which includes da-da-da-da-da, is X. Because I think it's actually good to have, it's very good to be straight with people. Yeah. When we first priced pop-up business school events, I would have, well, it depends on how much promotion you have. It depends on how long the course is, and it depends on the post support. And I would have different levels, and it all got a bit confusing. Where we actually saw some real success was when I just had a straight price. and. It included the promotion, included the middle bit, included the feedback and support afterwards of this and that. And I would say it includes all of this. This is the price. And I was just confident and stared at them. And that changed our sales dramatically. It was far easier for them to work with us. And they also knew I wasn't like changing or making up my price. I wasn't trying to scam them. It's like I'd gone first and it's fine. That's the price. If you want it, cool. If not, cool. That's really good advice, actually. (laughs) And it will probably make more sense for me to do that, actually, and just have a general program price that I can offer. And then if people want to deviate from that, they can. Yes. Here's the general package. If you want to do more here, do this, do that, then we can talk about it. But this is the standard thing. 
Yeah, because there are, most people do seem to want very similar things. And I think that they like to know that it can be different, but they end up often choosing the sim- a similar thing. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's just knowing the choices there is nice, I suppose. I love that. So Tanya, <laughs> what have you learned from this experience of going through the pricing and doing this? To not undervalue myself, definitely. To have the confidence not to undervalue myself. And definitely to talk about prices in that diagnostic session. So when you have that first meeting with your client and they're all excited and in the moment, definitely to do it then and not to wait and try and play that waiting game afterwards with emails going back and forwards or not. I'd say those are the two things that really have stuck out in my mind. And the biggest thing, my biggest takeaway from pop-up was just get out of your comfort zone. And that's what I've been gradually trying to do ever since, to be honest, (laughs) bit by bit, you know, including now. (laughs) When you said, do you want to do a podcast? And I had my little, you know, little me on my shoulder going, no, no, no. And I said, yep. (laughs) I love that. I love that. And congratulations. You've been brilliant. For the people listening who want to work on their accents, if there is a service, there's bound to be some people listening thinking that might help me or they know someone who wants to work on that. Where can they find out more about you and your business? Yep. So I'm on LinkedIn. If you look for Tanya Valentin Accent Reduction Coach, my website is up and coming. (laughs) You'd be wrapping my knuckles, but I haven't needed to have it yet. I'm developing slowly and I'm working towards having a course which would be available to be able to help more people. So the website is www.chatnaturally.com. And if anyone goes there, they will see the details of how to find me on LinkedIn. And my email is there as well, which is tanya at chatnaturally.com. Perfect. And just on the website, sometimes you don't really need a website if you Mm. sell all through LinkedIn or different places. Sometimes you don't. But it is useful just to have a one page. And even if it's just a very simple picture of you at the top, chat naturally, fill in this form if you would like to work on reducing your accent and becoming a more natural or fluent speaker of the British language. Just a one pager with a form is sometimes enough because all you want people to do is reach out to you. That's it. Just like send me a message and I'll (laughs) give you my prices and I'll help you. And I think quite often we overcomplicate what we need to make this process work because there's this ideal vision of having an online course and having 12 pages with a blog and (laughs) 52 pages of courses for every day and this and that and all this other stuff i am the queen of overcomplicating things honestly (laughs) i'm (laughs) perfectionist personified and i've been Uh working on it i've been working on it over this last year and I'm guessing better. <laughs> Excellent. I'm glad a recovering perfectionist. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. Let's start Perfectionist Anonymous where we can all talk about that. I'll be your first member. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sometimes it like, I think entrepreneurs have this vision of what they want the business to be like. And they have this dream vision of all this stuff of how it's going to be. And they don't want to launch it until it is that. But actually, if we keep it simple and we sell one thing to one group of people, 
and we start there, we'll start making money and then we can build along the way. And I'm definitely the king of doing that. I mean, the podcast has been built randomly along the way. No one liked my introduction in the first season. Everyone said it was rubbish. It's like, oh. But it happened and I got 100,000 downloads for season one with yeah. uh, an intro that no one liked. So hopefully they like season two's one better, but who knows? But you just kind of got to get out there and you can never get to version two if you don't launch version one. Yeah, definitely. And my first client, actually, I got by sending out a really random text <laughs> on Nextdoor, on the app mm -hmm. Nextdoor, right at the beginning of COVID saying, um, I can teach you English or maybe help be with your accent or I could also teach Spanish. If you're interested, send me a message. And that's how bad it was. And <laughs> it was awful. I was so unconvinced about doing it. And it was just, you know, Sean's voice actually in my head from the pop-up mm. course saying, just do it, do something. So I thought, oh, fine, <laughs> fine, I'll just send something. So that was my effort to actually get this thing going. And somebody replied and said, I'm quite interested in that accent reduction, which is what I really wanted to focus on anyway. And we had a chat. And he said, okay, yeah, I'd like to try one of your free sessions, which I'd offered. <laughs> like, yeah, I'll do it for free. <laughs> because I was so scared to go on Zoom. I'd never been on Zoom before. I'd never done, you know, looking into the camera before. The whole thing just freaked me out. And I said, well, I'll do it for free. And he said, no, 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 of course not. I'll pay you. I said, no, no, don't pay me. <laughs> I don't want your money. I don't stop, stop. <laughs> Just let me try it. You can be my guinea pig. And nearly a year later, he is now paying me full prices. And Amazing. he's rebooked with me four times. We're looking into more and more things. So, you know, it's not like we're going over the same issues, but he's getting so excited about all the intricacies of accent and, yeah, all these different sides of it. And so, yeah, and he, we still call him my guinea pig. <laughs> <laughs> Let's and test that's how, new stuff. That's how yeah. it started, but it was definitely on the fly. It was, I was not ready. I didn't have, material wasn't collated nicely and beautifully. And yeah, but it was, Congratulations. it was nice. Yeah. Oh, thank you. But I did have your voice in my head saying, just do it. <laughs> <laughs> if it's any consolation. <laughs> no, I love that. And for those of you, listening to the show this is a story of just get started you never know where it leads just ask someone to buy ask someone to book put it out there get going because it'll never be perfect the first time you just got to start and after how many years i've been in pop-up business school now we've been running the rebel business school pop-up for nine years now still wow. not perfect like it's pretty good but it's still not perfect <laughs> and we make it better every single time well, I'm a fan. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much. So am I. Uh, <laughs> I wouldn't be here doing it if it wasn't for you. And oh. pop up. Honestly, no, honestly, honestly, me two years ago was a different person. I love that. And now you're on a podcast talking to 5,000 people all at once. Oh, my God. Don't say that. <laughs> I shouldn't tell you it that way, should I? It's like just the two of us chatting. It's fine. Yes, exactly. I'm so glad you didn't say that at the beginning. <laughs> I probably would have hung up. 
<laughs> oh, excellent. Tanya, thank you for coming on the show. And just remind us one more time what people should search for on LinkedIn to find you. Tanya Valentin. Yeah, so Tanya Valentin, Accent Reduction Coach, or you can just send me an email, tanya at chatnaturally.com. Perfect. Thank you so much, Alan. It's been really fun. Thank you for coming on the show and sharing your story. So there is the pricing case study. I wanted to leave you with one last message, which is everyone underprices themselves when they first launch. I did. I didn't have a clue what I was doing when I first did it. I was nervous. I was scared. So I underpriced myself massively. And that's okay. You do the first one. You underprice yourself. You realize it was a lot of work for the amount you did. And the amount of money you got afterwards was not commensurate to the amount of effort you put in. And then you go, well, I'm not doing that again. I need to raise my prices. That's okay. It happens. But actually, I would like you to really get that in your head now. Everyone underprices themselves when they start. So avoid doing that. Go slightly higher than you feel comfortable for because you can always come down. You can never go up again once you've done it. So go slightly higher than you're comfortable with and ask for the money with confidence, pause, stare them in the eyes and see what happens. Now, Patrick and I know that sometimes on the Rebel Entrepreneur There is a lot of content and a lot of different episodes. So we've been building out my website to structure the episodes for you and make it a bit easier. So if you ever have trouble finding an episode, a specific one like this on pricing or like the one on sales with Patrick Venn, which was episode 27 in season two, you can go to alandonagan.com forward slash podcast and you will see pages there for season one, season two, coaching season one, which was with Christina about photography, coaching season two, which was with Jamie. All That takes you to a separate page with all of her podcast episodes listed out. So if you're ever feeling lost with the content, that's an easy way to navigate through them. Go to alandonagan.com forward slash podcast. Patrick, the podcast manager, and I have been building out those pages to make sure they are ready for you. We have a huge amount planned for you. We've got some exciting episodes coming up and we've got so much more going on. The next episode is a real startup story from Elena who came along to the Rebel Business School and what she's been doing since. We've got episodes on PR, building a business from your bedroom, global entrepreneurship in Colombia, turning adversity into opportunity and so much more coming up. All I wanted to say is thank you for listening to The Rebel Entrepreneur and go out there and price with confidence. You can have any life you want to. Choose to build something cool. Choose to take action. Choose to work to make your dreams become reality. Stand out. Be different. Be yourself. Be a Rebel Entrepreneur.